We are making our way through Advent, which makes me incredibly happy. Not because I have anything against Advent or because I'm impatient for Christmas, but because I have this thing about liking balance and a half-lit Advent wreath always makes me twitch a little. <laughs> and by the time we get to this Sunday, more and more of it is lit up, and that fills me with a deep sense of joy and relief. And that's actually pretty well-timed, because this Sunday of Advent is the Joy Sunday. And I like this focus on joy, because joy can sometimes be a hard thing to find. In the midst of the worry and rush of life, in the thick of anxiety about the past and the future, in the distraction of details that always surrounds the holidays, and maybe even the sadness or the loss that some folks feel at this time of year, joy is something that can quite easily slip through our fingers if we're not careful, even though we spend an awful lot of our time seeking it out. Understandable as this is, when we look at the fruits of the Spirit uh, as listed by St. Paul in Galatians, we don't find worry or anxiety or distraction or melancholy among the states that Christians should strive for. But we do find joy nestled right between love and peace, and in our faith, in our tradition, joy is a spiritual virtue. It's a divine gift. And sometimes, joyful news is news that we need to hear. And we need to hear it because it is really easy to worry. It is really easy to get lost in the concerns that can bring us down. It's easy to worry about our loved ones and ourselves and the world in which we live. I'll spare us a laundry list of possible lamentations, both because it's unnecessary and because I don't want to accidentally add something to your list that you might not already have on there <laughs> and give you yet another thing to worry about. But also because I don't want to lose focus on what today is really about, and it is about finding and embracing joy. And that's why we have the Magnificat today. It comes from Mary, the mother of Jesus, the blessed young woman by whom God became human in this world. The Magnificat is her song. It's powerful, beautiful, and it is even prophetic. It's a song of rejoicing, and it is an expression of Mary's gratitude for the great things that God has done in her and will continue to do through her later on. It is her prophecy. And when she sings this song... She's with her cousin Elizabeth, who at this time is pregnant with John the Baptist and is herself an older woman, long past childbearing years. And what's really interesting is that when this song issues forth, what we have, we have two of society's most powerless people in that time, an old woman and a young woman, both pregnant and of the wrong race and ethnicity in the Roman Empire. But between the two of them, we have the stirrings of some of God's greatest work in human history. They greet each other, and Mary sings. She sings of God's greatness and of the great work in her and proclaims here that all generations shall call me blessed. And she's right. We call her blessed not because we think she's a goddess. She is so honored because she is a model of what it means to be a faithful person. She is steadfast and she is faithful. She is strong and wise. She is kind and compassionate and righteous and just. She is, in short, 
godly. And we honor her so highly and show our respect for what she has done and for how she continues to inspire and help people in the communion of saints. We honor her, hoping in our own ways that we might become more like her so that we might become more like her son, just like we do with all the saints. And I have to say, now is the time to dispel some popular misconceptions about Mary. If you were raised in a maybe evangelical Protestant background, you have almost no conception about who Mary was, other than she looks great in a Christmas crash. <laughs> and if you're a Catholic, maybe you have this idea that Mary is always this kind, gentle, sort of floating figure in scriptures and in church tradition. But the thing about it is, Mary isn't just some gentle little girl who's happy and floaty and dancing around all the time. She is a full-on prophetic figure. And we find that out just as soon as she starts singing about why she is joyful that God is doing things in her life. She sings about God's faithfulness to people in every age, in every place, in every generation. She sings about the joy of seeing the arrogant scattered in their conceit. She sings out in joy because God is taking the mighty in their thrones and in the halls of power and bringing them down. She sings out because the rich are being sent away empty and hungry, just like they did to those whom they neglected and oppressed in life. She is singing out with joy because God is bringing down the large and lifting up the small. God is lifting up the humble and the meek and the poor and the oppressed and the people who struggle. She's singing out with joy because her song is good news. And she is glad because through her ministry, through her life, and through the life, death, and resurrection of her son Jesus, God will go after the arrogant and the judgmental right at the core of their hearts and scatter their false senses of superiority which is another way of saying she is joyful because God has put it in her heart to confirm that we are all equal before God, even if we like to pretend we're not equal before one another. And she is glad because in a world torn apart by violence and politics, by poverty and disease, God is using her to speak a word of justice and a word of healing and a word of kindness and a word of unity for people who need to hear it most. And she is joyful because this is just the beginning. Have any of you all ever read or heard the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain? You know, the Magnificat comes to us in the Gospel of Luke, and the Sermon on the Plain comes later. So thinking about the Magnificat, I want us to think about what Jesus says there. He says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are the hungry, Woe to the rich, woe to the powerful, woe to the arrogant. I wonder where he got that from. <laughs> Just like his mama, isn't he? <laughs> you see, he puts into prose what his mother first gives us in poetry. He speaks in a sermon what his mother first issues forth in a song. But they're both giving us that same word from God that filled her with joy, and it fills us with joy, because we can look at that poor young woman who's at the mercy of nearly every social force that you can think of, and we can see ourselves in her when we feel our most powerless. And we can look at that girl who's 
pregnant out of wedlock, and we can see ourselves when the public might like to shame us, but we still dare to preserve and maintain our own dignity. And we find joy because we can look at the word that God has given her and know that the Lord has in store for us. This is a vision of a world of justice to make the wrongs right. Healing to redeem the wounds that we go around causing over and over again. Mercy to cover our multitude of sins and eventually a life to soak up death and banish it forever. And if we see ourselves as the ones that God is going to cast down or scatter or humble just a little bit because we need it, we're joyful too because this woman's song has helped us see the light. It has helped us change our ways. It has helped us grow in kindness, compassion, humility, and generosity. And if we see ourselves in those to whom she sings this hymn of consolation, we can find a deep spiritual well of endurance. Because if God has chosen Mary, then there are none too lowly. If God has chosen Mary and Elizabeth, then there are none too young and there are none too old to respond to God's call, whatever it is in this season of your life. If God has chosen Mary, then there are none who are too common. If God has chosen Mary, then God will choose us too. And God has chosen us too. That's why we're here today learning about that joyful vision that the Lord has in store for this world and for our lives. The joy that she sings about, the joy that she offers, the joy that we must rediscover in our own hearts this day and every day, and especially on those rough days when we just don't want to hear it because we're feeling a little too good about feeling bad. It is a vision it is a promise. It is a blueprint for what God intends for us when things are so wrong around us and within us that we don't know where else to turn and we feel hope seeping out of us. That God has chosen us to be a part of the solution to the problems that we encounter constantly. And we know that ultimately everything is going to be okay that the wrongs will be made right, that it not only can be better, but that it will be better, and that God is inviting all of us to discover a joy in our hearts to being part of the solution, to get excited about doing something different and doing something better and bringing God's vision from heaven to earth. So, you can already start by finding where you're going to do this by looking for the joy in your own life. You see, Mary is grateful for what God is doing, and she shows us that joy and gratitude go hand in hand. What are you grateful for? What are you excited about? Take stock of those things in your life that fill you with gratitude. Let them fill you with joy, and then spread that joy in word and deed, following the example and the teaching given to us by Mary today. Because that's how we build this vision in her song. We do it by living it out in our lives.